0: Hi. Good afternoon. Welcome, everyone. I'm Patrick Finkston. Welcome to our Wednesday live stream and uh, podcast that we're uh, trying to make a weekly thing and and having fun with and talking to a lot of uh, interesting people from around the state. Uh, we'll talk to Senator Doris Turner here in just a second. She's uh, patiently waiting in our green room, so she'll uh, she'll jump on with us here in just a moment. Uh, and we'll also talk to Brendan Moore, who's a state capital reporter. Uh, for the Lee newspapers which is the Herald and Review the Bloomington Panograph etc uh, so we'll have him coming up just really quick though uh, you know a, a, a news headline that you're seeing a lot lately uh, and I had a few thoughts on this in the in the paid subscriber newsletter this morning on uh, on on Darren Bailey um, he continues to step in it uh, and and uh, trip over himself and uh, have the most um, unforced errors that I've seen in a statewide campaign in some time. You, you remember the story last week that there was a video found from his first run for state representative that he uh, compared the uh, number of, of lives lost at abortion to the number of, of lives lost in the Holocaust. It was a stupid, clunky, terrible thing and never, never compare anything to the Holocaust or Nazis, et cetera. You thought he kind of put it behind you, and then he opened his mouth again this weekend. He was uh, interviewed by a a radio station in uh, like Kendall County uh, when he was at the Kendall County Fair this weekend. Let me let me play it for you. This is from WSPI. Do you uh, think the Jewish community needs an apology on that? <laughs> the Jewish community themselves have told me that I'm right. Actually,
1: that ad went out a day before we met with the Jewish a day after we met with the Jewish community, and, and Pritzker and you know knew that so the timeliness was no mistake and uh, all the people at the kabads that we met with and the Jewish rabbis they said no you're actually right uh, so no that's what's frustrating you know when when uh, when government when when elected officials copy and paste these messages and turn them into something that they're not because anybody that would watch my message in the whole 9 minutes of it would understand exactly what I was saying and where I was going with this
0: yeah. this guy can't help himself can he it's 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 frustrating to to hear uh, somebody continue to double down on something stupid that he has to know is stupid, uh, and maybe maybe he doesn't know. Uh, I had a whole monologue on it this morning when I uh, filled in on WMAY. I'll put that up on our YouTube page. I uh, hear a little bit uh, that you can you can watch uh, if you're if you're interested in in that uh, from this morning. But at twelve oh three, we are going to uh, welcome in State Senator Doris Turner, a uh, Democrat from Springfield, who was. Uh, appointed to the Senate uh, a, uh, a couple of a couple of months ago now last late last year uh, Senator welcome I know you're on the road so uh, uh, appreciate you taking some time uh, how how do you feel about the atmosphere out there right now because it's the partisanship the kind of meanness clearly the Pritzker Bailey dynamics are very unpleasant um, is is there a Is there a path forward or is this just going to be a a blood sport fight to the death from here on out?
2: You know, I think it is very frustrating. So um, I ascended to the Senate in February the 6th, actually, of 2021 after serving uh, 10 years on the Sangamon County Board and nine and a half years on the Springfield City Council. And I will tell you that during my time in both of those elective bodies, I operated in a very bipartisan manner and really got a whole lot done for my constituents because of that. So seeing um, the the way that everything is so partisan and it really um, it's not good for, the public discourse, is not good for uh, us to move forward to actually affect change in our communities. And I've always done everything I can to uh, not engage in that and hopefully we can move past it and get back to a point when we do operate in a more bipartisan manner.
0: I want to talk about some, some uh, issues that are out there right now. And obviously, you know, the, uh, the Bailey comments that, that were just, I I thought it was initially just a clunky trying to compare and, and harmless, but he keeps doubling down on this and, and, and it makes the the far right look bad. It makes the, you know, I, I think the, the far left looks a little extreme at some points, on, on this issue when polling shows that that two-thirds of people are, are generally in the middle uh, when it comes to issues like abortion. Is, is the legislature the Democrats in the legislature going too far uh, with with the abortions for everyone whenever they want them sort of sort of movement that we're going in?
2: You know, um, I have always been a, a uh, pro-choice long before I was an elected official, I was a, a pro, pro-choice person. And I really am proud of the fact that in Illinois, we trust women to make those decisions in concert with their family, their doctor, and whoever they feel they need to bring into their circle. Uh, and I don't feel like as a legislator, I have any place in that circle. So I, I, don't, I think that we really need to look at Privacy and what that means, and how people should have autonomy over their bodies. I believe that uh, the whole issue around choice is is one that's pretty unique in the in the fact that it's the only area where we do insert uh, government in such a strong, uh, overbearing manner. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the people who are front and center and really pushing that are the ones that that will say that less government is better in every area, except when it comes to choice.
0: You know, I, and... And
2: and you know, unfortunately, it's one of those, unfortunately, it's one of those places where, you know, people, nobody's gonna change their mind. You're either on one side or or the other, and um, it's, I just really feel like it's one of those things where we have to trust women to make those choices when it comes to their uh, health, their health care options.
0: I've always told people I was relatively agnostic on, on the topic because as a as a, a guy who was in his in his twenties and early thirties and unmarried, it wasn't it wasn't an issue that impacted me. And I always uh, I I felt a change though. Uh, you know, we have a we have a nine month old at home, and and you know the first time I heard his his heartbeat was um, was really where it changed for me was was all right. This is my son. This is his life. I am going to do everything I can to protect it from here on out. What's wh- where's the line that that this is a child. This is a life. That, that even the the pro choice people that that have children and protect those lives. I, I, I just have a hard time sometimes connecting A and B on, on the fully pro-choice side.
2: You know, I think that we have to think about how we protect lives from beginning to end. And um, oftentimes we get very caught up with protecting an unborn life, but what do we do to protect that woman prior to giving birth and what do we do to protect that child after after it, it the child is born so you know it's it's a it's a very complex issue and it's one where i believe that there is a lot of room for discussion and discourse but people have to be willing to actually come to the table and have that discussion and have it in a very open, honest, and transparent manner, and not come and want to throw darts, and um, you know, always be in an accusatory manner. So you know, like I said, it's it's a very personal issue. I know women that have gone through um, the procedure, and um, and and it, it it affects it affects women in in a very in, different women in different ways. And so it again. It's a very personal, private matter that should be with uh, should be a discussion between a woman and those people that she chooses to bring into her circle.
0: You you uh you also voted for the. Uh repeal of the parental notification act, you know, and you saw a lot of, a lot of Democrats in those 50, 50 districts, competitive districts vote against that. Uh, what was your reasoning behind voting, voting for the PNA repeal?
2: You know, I voted for a piece of legislation that included that, that included um, the re- that uh, repeal. There was a, 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 a number of things that was included in that legislation and I think that it was a lot of things that we really needed, a lot of things that
0: uh,
2: a family position where they don't have to seek an abortion because, um, because it prepares them uh, for 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 life. So the the repeal was only one piece of that legislation that provided for a lot of different things. And so I, you know, and I think that that's what we have to look at. Unfortunately, legislation is very complex, and and instead of plucking out one, you know, one piece of. A very complex piece of legislation. We have to look at that whole body and what it means and, and what it does. And that's so, a and that's
0: a completely um, fair point.
2: Uh, and and that was um, and I think that that's that's the way we have to look at that. So if you go back and look at that legislation, um, it was it can it, it it included a lot of different a lot of different things that are very uh, supportive of, of young women and young men actually too. Um, so we can't just look at that one thing and, you know, and I will tell you that, you know, we don't live in a, in an idyllic society and everybody is not, doesn't come from a family where there's, you know, a, a very loving, supportive environment. And we have to make sure that we, are looking at how we move forward, and how we protect, and how we support those individuals that don't have it. I was a very young mother, and I was really blessed to have a very loving and supportive um, support system that allowed me and my and uh, and my family to grow and thrive. But unfortunately, everyone doesn't have that, and we have to acknowledge that and see how we support everyone and not just, you know, those that um, have that support system around them.
0: There's, there's an expectation that there's going to be a uh, movement on guns as well. Uh, when the legislature comes back, whether it's a, a special session or, or waits until veto session. Um, where are you on limitations? Is it all out assault weapons ban, whether it's armor, light rifles, high capacity magazines? Is it, is it, ammunition. Where do you stand in terms of of limiting uh, access to to firearms for either specifically people that shouldn't have them or anyone?
2: You know, um, everyone is very, very concerned about the rise in gun violence, uh, and, and it's not just affecting the 48th Senate District, it's not just affecting Illinois, it's it's affecting our whole country. And I believe that this is an issue that we have to look at from a regional and, and even a um, you know national perspective. Because while we can bring forward legislation in Illinois, but we have to look at all of the states that are around us and guns travel people travel so i think that we have to look at this from a um from a national perspective and i have really been in conversation with um, our federal delegation to see what we can do from a national perspective that will have a uh, an effect not only in Illinois, but throughout the country, because um, you know, like I said, it's an issue that everyone is very, very concerned about. And uh, and it's we saw what happened in Highland Park in the middle of a parade. We saw what happened um, in, in 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 schools in Texas. We, we see what happens um, every day in all of our communities. So we want to make sure that we're all safe. And I think that we have to look at it not just from a Illinois perspective, but from a uh, more national, national perspective.
0: You know, and and I, I think it's an interesting um, thought, though, that, um, and you hear this quite a bit from from the other side of, of of the aisle, that from you, that um, that the crimes that are being committed are people that are not lawful, responsible gun owners anyway. Uh, so that you know, if you if you ban a weapon, if you ban a magazine, if you ban a uh, a type of ammunition, whatever it might be, you're only penalizing the people who follow the rules and not the people who don't follow.
2: You know, um I I hear that that argument, I hear that discussion all the time, but think about it. The person who committed the 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 atrocity in Highland Park, he had those were legal guns that he had. You know, we
0: senators out and about this uh this afternoon in the car i think she was in between events so hopefully we'll uh we'll get her back here in the next few minutes so um she may have frozen on us so i will pull her out of the stream real quick but uh, i i was you know we were talking about guns and you know it's 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 a difficult and that's you know they used to say live radio back when i worked in radio i guess live live streams however it works now but uh, you know, we, we were talking about the gun issue and, and, and the Senator's right that the Highland park issue was, uh, was perpetrated by someone who, who bought the guns legally, who had a FOID card, who, who passed a criminal background check. And, uh, and, you know, that is probably a problem in itself because he he probably shouldn't have had a FOID card. He probably shouldn't have, have passed a criminal background check. So, uh, it, it it's really a, a tough issue. So um, looks like we lost the senator. So or no, we got her. Let's pull her back. Uh, all right, senator, you're back. Sorry about that. I think we were. Uh, you might have hit a dead I'm spot sorry, there I while you're we out on the road but. for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but we've got you back now. I'll let us just one one more thing, real quick. Uh, you're you're running for a full term in a new district that was drawn to be. A little bit better for a Democrat than maybe the the, the district you inherited from Senator Menar. Um, do you believe uh, that uh, you're in good shape for re-election? What what makes you the better choice than uh, than Representative Hamilton? Um, and you know, you saw the the primary numbers that she got more votes in the primary that you did than you did. Uh, what's what's your feeling going into the the fall?
2: Well, you know, I. Um, So let's talk about the primary numbers for a minute. I don't think that that's a real indicator of what this race is going to look like. Uh, There was a very, very active, uh, a lot of active uh, races on the Republican side that brought out a lot of Republicans. Uh, for, uh, we didn't have that on the on uh, the Democrat side, so I don't think that that is an indicator of what the turnout is going to look like in November. And and I will tell you, um, and everyone knows me, that, uh, again, I've been on, uh, you know, served 10 years on the Sangamon County Board, nine and a half years on the Springfield City Council. My name has been on a ballot a number of times, and each time it's been on the ballot, I don't, uh, I do run for the office not against anyone i'm a very uh i'm a, i'm a person who wants to tell people about me and what i've done and how i have served my constituency so what i so what i will tell you is that i have a great story to tell about the representation that I have provided for this for uh, not only this district, but all of the other, um, you know, constituencies that I have had the honor to represent. If you look throughout this district, you see the footprint of what that representation has accomplished for these constituents. So I have not been sitting idle. Uh, I have been doing great work for my constituents. And uh, I have a great story to tell. And I will continue to move throughout this district, telling telling that story about um, you know the successes that I have had since I have been uh, in the legislature as well as on those other elective uh, bodies. I think that representation matters. It matters who's sitting in that seat. And uh, again, you can look throughout the 48th district and see the footprint and the um, the success that that representation. Has brought for this district, and and I'm proud to uh, to tell that story, um, everywhere I, everywhere I go. I have spent um, since I was appointed to this seat. I have spent uh, an enormous amount of time in every part of this district, talking with the consti- talking with constituents, talking to um, all of the stakeholders, and actually asking them you know, what, what is it that you need? What can we do to make this community a better place? And as they have been talking to me and telling me those stories, I have gone back to the legislature and I have passed legislation that has addressed those issues. I have brought back resources that have addressed those issues. And, um, you know, I will continue um, to do that. So, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm uh, Eager uh, to continue serving uh, my constituents in the 48th district. These are people that know me. These are people that know the great work that I have done, and um, you know I'm ready to ready to c- continue doing it.
0: It's going to be a fun one, Senator Doris Turner. Thanks for fitness in your busy day. Uh, have a have a great rest of your afternoon. All right. Thanks to the senator for joining us Uh, as uh, she was out and about this afternoon. She's uh, she's had a busy day uh, from what we understand and apologize for the uh, couple of uh, technical glitches that uh, popped uh, popped up while we were there. But, hey, you know, it's it's uh, it's stuff that you're dealing with when you're uh, when you're trying to. get people in and on the road and out and about. And this guy is sitting in a a place with good Wi-Fi and a nice connection, and it's going to be perfectly fine. We welcome Brendan Moore. He is the uh, state ass reporter for the Lee uh, family of newspapers. Uh, Brendan, I've been talking a lot about uh, Darren Bailey today, whether it was when I was on the radio this morning or in the newsletter this morning, uh, or as we started the live stream today. It's like, he's all I'm talking about and that he just can't help himself. Uh, He just keeps stepping in it. Uh what what is the fear as you talk to Republicans? What is the fear that this guy who just seemingly can't get his act together, uh, are they concerned that it's gonna drag Republicans down the ticket?
1: Certainly. Uh, I think that the top of the ticket uh always has an impact down ballot, and Republicans that I talk to say that uh that basically the party may be squandering a massive opportunity that they have. Uh, obviously you have a national situation where, um, maybe not, not as, as dire for Democrats as, uh, we initially thought a few months ago, but, um, president's approval rating, uh, is still, uh, quite low uh, inflation is high. And, uh, you know, we see that in midterm elections, uh, the, op- the party out of power tends to do better. And, uh, in Illinois, uh, obviously, Uh, Democrats have super majorities and uh, and, and the governor's up for re-election. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, Republicans thought that, you know, they could make some inroads, perhaps in the suburbs, uh, in some of the legislative races, maybe in some of the congressional races. And uh, it doesn't help when you have a candidate at the top of the ticket uh, who many view as perhaps out of the mainstream, uh, at least uh, with uh, suburban voters, more moderate voters. Um, and, and obviously there's the money issue as well, that, uh, Senator Bailey doesn't have a lot of money. The governor has unlimited resources. And, uh, so it's kind of a, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's, I guess if you're a Republican, uh, kind of an unfortunate situation, uh, that, you know, you had this opportunity and, uh, it appears you might not be in a position to take
0: full advantage. It, it doesn't help that Richard Uline is, is, has cut the Bailey campaign off. Uh, as we reported a couple of weeks ago in in favor of this this pack run by a talk show host that you know they're running ads that are are not helpful or in any way and uh are are low quality and it's like what after what ken griffin said in the tribune this morning and and you know the way dick uline's spending his money sometimes you wonder how people became billionaires but it's as you talk to the bailey people do they see a path or are they just trying to play out the trump cards at this point
1: you know I, i i i think they they see a path i mean i think they they think they can win this thing uh uh but uh it's clear though that they don't think they have to uh moderate to do that they think that they can focus on um, you know, that, that Senator Bailey can be Senator Bailey and he can win. And uh, you can tell they're, they're trying to focus on, on some of these uh, issues, uh, whether it's uh, uh, some of the uh, inflation, some of the economic issues. Uh, they're trying to, to point out some issues uh, uh, such as uh, uh, some of the issues with DCFS and the issues with the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, under the Pritzker administration. But uh, every time you have one of these controversies come up, uh, uh, whether it's the Holocaust comments or um, even before his comments, right after Highland Park, saying you know let's move on, celebrate the Fourth of July. That's another day you're not talking about some of those issues that maybe you could make inroads on. Um, I think that uh, uh, obviously you know it, the inflation and, and and the state of the economy you know could be opportunities for any republican but uh again uh, uh, you know when you have you know some of these controversies keep coming up and obviously again in his position on abortion um which you know I don't know, the governor's made a centerpiece of of his camp re-election campaign um and that that makes it uh hard to see a path uh, in in a state like Illinois that even even in a Republican wave year, still a very blue state, um, and and conventional wisdom has always been that Republicans have to uh, run to the middle uh, to be competitive. And uh, the past couple that have won statewide have have uh, done that. Um, Senator Bailey has not.
0: <laughs> I think you're on mute, Patrick. I need to figure that button out. I'm looking like a jamoke. Uh so I I wanted to ask you about some of the congressional races you've been following uh that that starting with the 15th. Um uh, in the primary that that uh Rodney Davis uh fell to Mary Miller. i of course had the background of working for Rodney Davis in 2012 and against Mary Miller in 2020. So so I I I have my own preset views on those two candidates. But what did you see? Was it a, a was it all Trump? Was it at the end with the Trump rally that, that, that moved people to Miller or, or did the, the rhino Rodney stuff because he's, God forbid, had to represent a moderate district for the last decade. Was, was that what really stuck? What did you notice?
1: I did notice a, it seemed like the, the late momentum was behind Mary Miller, that Trump coming in at the end really did help her campaign. Uh, You can look at a map of, of the counties. There's like 35 counties in this district. And uh, Representative Davis did decently well in the areas he's represented, you know, Sangamon and Macon and uh, Christian counties. She did well in her areas, but the areas that that were new to both of them, uh, Mary Miller really, you know, clean, cleaned up. Uh, and, and those were the areas of Western Illinois where the Trump rally was held, uh, Adams County, uh, where it was held. I think she won like 80% of the vote. Uh, so basically it seemed that, you know, voters who didn't really know either of them or have any previous, uh, background, uh, being represented by either of them, um, looked at the two of them and saw that uh, you know, Trump was with Miller. And so they were, they were with Miller. Um, and I think, uh, representative Davis, he he's a good, as you know, he, he, he's a great retail politician. He's, he's, he's great on the trail. Uh, he ran a, 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 I think about as good of a race as he could have. Um, but obviously representing that, that constituency now that's much different, much more swingy of a district hurt him because he had to take some positions uh, uh, that maybe put him at odds with some of his new voters. Um, you know, even even going back to, you know, not being clear if he voted for Trump uh, in 2016, I mean, that was still a thing. Um, and then obviously voting, you know, for a 9-11 style uh, commission to investigate the January 6th attack. Obviously, that didn't happen. And he voted against the current uh, uh, select committee. Which, which but, he
0: was going to be on. Which he was going to be on
1: she was going to be on, but, but she, she definitely attacked him for that first vote that he took. And 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 I think that some of those arguments stuck. I mean, this is a 70%, almost 70% Trump district. So uh, if, if the president's former president's opinion is going to have any weight anywhere, it's going to be in a district like that.
0: I want, I want to talk about the 13th too, which is Mm -hmm. the Nikki Budzinski Reagan Deering race. Um, Deering has a ton of roots in that district. I mean, her, her grandpa was a legend at ADM, uh, Dwayne Andreas, and, uh, you know, that will likely open up some fundraising for her. But Zinski is playing a very safe campaign to this point. Um, it it seems like it's going to be uh, one of those races that may be closer than we kind of expected in the beginning. What are you seeing in that race?
1: yeah I, I would say that that's that's an accurate way to put it and and both campaigns will acknowledge that they, they expect this to be tight uh it's one of those that maybe isn't necessarily on the radar right away it's not one of those immediate swing districts like maybe the 17th is but if the climate is what it is for republicans uh, if it's a good climate then it's one of those districts that that could be maybe a reach for, for Republicans to win, uh, it was uh, I believe President Biden won it by eleven points in 2020. So uh, and and uh, Kwame Raoul carried it over Erica Harold in the Attorney General's race in 2018. It's kind of viewed as uh, you know generic R versus D in mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, so it's it, it's been a pretty solid Democratic district, but uh, you know in a in, in, in a climate like this, um, you know it it could be competitive, especially if. You know, Deering raises some money. Um, she also has some personal wealth that she could contribute if she wants um, and gets the message out about uh, Budzinski, uh, who obviously worked for Governor Pritzker, worked for President Biden, uh, maybe not the most popular folks in the district. Um, that could be used against her. Uh, and and uh, obviously, Deering, you know, having the family background with ADM, with the Andreas, being an Andreas, could could help for help. For is, is
0: the 17th district, the prime pickup or the prime switch uh, flip district for either party in the state?
1: I, I I think it would be uh, just just looking at. I mean, I believe it again went for Biden by about eight points. Definitely not a safe district in, in a uh, in, in what could be a wave year. Uh, you know, it, it got a little bit more Democratic in redistricting. But, uh, you know, it, it uh, the last time they. Uh, uh, Sherry Bustos only won it by, I think, about four points over Esther Joy King, who is running again. Uh, she didn't have a very competitive primary. Uh, I believe she ended it with about a million and a half dollars in the bank. Whereas, uh, you know, her uh, competitor, Eric Sorensen, uh, on the Democratic side, uh, had to compete in a six-way. Spend it round. all, baby. Yeah. Spend it all. And so he, he, he starts at a disadvantage uh, in that sense. Um, you know, I would say... It, it it at least uh, national ratings agencies would consider it probably the most likely Illinois district to flip. I think it's a toss up. Every major outlet has it as a toss up, and I think that that's probably pretty accurate.
0: It is interesting the power of television, though. That Sorensen was a, a TV weather guy in the Quad Cities and in Rockford, which are two of the heaviest vote uh, mm-hmm. voting blocks in that in that district, and. And those are the places he did strongest and and are what carried him over uh, Leticia Wallace, who was was heavily Rockford and progressive, but not known outside of that area.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, Leticia Wallace, as you said, I mean, she was the running mate of Daniel Biss in 2018, uh, kind of viewed as a favorite of the progressives. Uh and then uh there was Jonathan Logaman, who was a Rockford Alderman, who's kind of a favorite of establishment types in the district. He had a lot of trade union support. I think the AFL CIO backed him, which usually is a pretty good endorsement to have in that district. But uh, like you said, I mean, you know, he was on television, Sorensen was on television for over a decade in Quad Cities and in Rockford. And um, you know, we've seen that, you know, uh you know, folks that have television experience, you know, television reporters can make for good political candidates. I mean, you know, they have the name ID, they know how to how to talk in front of people, they know how to explain in, you know, uh, comprehend information. And uh, yeah, he used that to his advantage. And he won, I think, uh, a pretty surprisingly, uh, not Mm -hmm. close primary, I think he he won it by double digits, which is pretty impressive for a first time candidate
0: my wife's a TV reporter. So honey, uh, Brendan Moore thinks you'll be a good, uh, a good, or former TV reporter, uh, thinks he'd be a good, good political candidate. Uh, and last thing before I let you go, Brendan, I appreciate the time and, and, yeah. uh, you know, I hope we hope we could have you back often. Um, the, the amendment one issue is, is really starting to pick up steam now that, uh, this coalition has put some TV ads on the air and, uh, you know, maybe the cynic in me says, sure, let's, let's focus on sick kids to get people to vote for unions. And, uh, but there's going to be opposition to it. The chamber is opposed uh, and, and some other, you know, some other groups and some other big money are may come in against that. It, it, it is very wordy in the sense that, you know, it's, it's changing statute and the constitution, et cetera. What, what would be the actual impact of this for, day-to-day real life for for people.
1: You know, I I and I have to read up more on on the language of the amendment, but I would say probably not much. I mean, Illinois is a obviously already a very pro labor state, pro union state. Um, you know, they're they're, you know, at, at least in the past 4 years and and you know, under Governor Pritzker, you know, they have enacted a lot of uh, uh, measures to, to, to protect, workers and, 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 unions. And, uh, so I suppose this would just protect, uh, you know, against maybe future attempts to, to, uh, um, I guess, uh, uh, you know, uh, attack labor, but, um, I, I don't think that there's any immediate danger of that, especially, you know, to get it on the ballot, uh, it, there was, I think, pretty, you know, I don't know if it was broad bipartisan support, but there were definitely Republican votes to get this on the ballot, too, because labor's bipartisan in the state, as mm-hmm. as you know, and as Governor Rauner found out the hard way when he lost.
0: Brendan Moore, what are you working on in the uh, Herald and Review, Panagraph, Southern Illinois and all those papers that your stuff your stuff uh, appears in? What, what what's on your plate right now?
1: Well, I'll have a column coming out tomorrow about the uh, the the softball game between Illinois and Missouri on Monday. Uh, Just kind of talking about, I mean, I was there, what it was like to be there, and uh, just kind of how it was interesting that everyone was very jovial and uh, you know happy, and you know the partisan swords were put down, despite all the differences between Illinois and Missouri. uh, Especially, I think we've seen that a lot in the past few months on the abortion issue as uh you know illinois you know basically becomes this island in the midwest and states like missouri enact trigger laws that basically outlaw the procedure um so i don't know it's always kind of an interesting uh forum in bush stadium to have lawmakers from both sides uh given the Republicans,
0: bastards. Republicans, and Democrats playing softball together, cats and dogs living together. It's it's just it throws everything upside down when,
1: when you a, see a, a little bit, a little bit, and uh, and I guess obviously uh, I'll be out at the state fair uh, starting uh, tomorrow all the way through Sunday, and there'll be a lot of uh, storylines. Uh, political days are obviously next week, and uh, I think I think I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, especially on the Republican side, who shows up and uh, who speaks. So
0: brendan we appreciate your time and uh hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you around and uh talk talk with you soon
1: yeah thanks for having me on patrick
0: great that's brendan moore from the uh lee enterprises uh lee newspapers uh that uh is is around the state uh, Herald herald interview Panagraph, southern Illinoisan, post dispatch etc Uh appreciate brendan jumping on with us, um and and you know it, it's it's really interesting that uh that we we are about into uh, state fair season, uh, again, that, uh, you know, the, the butter cow gets unveiled today and then they'll have the twilight parade tomorrow and, and, and things will, will hit again. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, don't know that the political days are what they used to be since it used to kind of be considered the, uh, the kickoff to the fall campaign in this state. Uh, but since we had such a late primary, I just, I don't know that the, uh, that the primary ever really ended, uh, or that the election ever really ended. So uh, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what the excitement is because the Republicans have kind of done their grassroots thing at the um, at the at the fair, and Democrats have kind of made their their county chairman's brunch a little more of the focus of their their day the last few years. So it will be interesting to see what uh, what happens at the state fair over the next uh, over the next ten eleven days. As, as it happens. So I appreciate you joining us today. Uh, thanks to Senator Doris Turner. Thanks to Brendan Moore. Uh, and uh, hope you will uh, join us. Uh, as uh, If you aren't a subscriber to the newsletter, we're at com, And uh, you can subscribe up in the top right corner. Just click the free version. And uh, you, you can uh, get our stuff uh, three days a week paid subscribers, get things all five days a week, uh, and uh, hopefully try and make it interesting and, and thoughtful and uh, something that people are interested in. So thanks so much for joining us. I really hope you uh, have a great uh, great rest of your Wednesday uh, or whenever you uh, happen to, to join us with this. And uh, drop us a note anytime, mailbag at theillinois.com. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on The Illinois.